80 miljoner kronor i kassan. you could say it's one of the darkest nights of my life but that's a different issue I must admit the, uh, the air is crisp and cool and the stars are as bright as I've ever seen them <laughs> gentle breeze it's lovely good night to sit down some decent scotch or some scotch and Look up at the twinkling stars, contemplate your absolute meaninglessness and the grand scope of things. Thinking about that, the absence of meaning, 
facing the pure, brutal truth. Say it out loud. Marvell James Fletcher's life is a brief candle. His, his consciousness is a series of moving images on the screen of his awareness that will flicker out sooner than later. The universe won't even notice. There's a lot to be said for surrendering your vanity and facing the true oblivion, the strange joy of contemplating those two moments, the moment where you exist and, and the moment that you don't. But there is no time to ruminate on these things because our battle is far from over. If anything, it's heating up. The forces of our enemies are rallying even as we speak. It's almost time for them to implement the plan that they and their predecessors stretching back through the Masons, the Illuminated Ones, the Rosy Cross, the Cult of the Serpent, the ancient Greek mystery schools, all the way back to Babylon herself, the plan that they have laid out, schemed, infiltrated, subverted, prepared for hundreds, no, thousands, thousands of years... The plan that they will have every human being under their boot heel. Oh, but it's for your own good. Don't you see? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. And before they take my life, they will know that they were in a fight. Uh, I was so impressed with the man. I, I thought he was going to be the leader of something great. People seemed to buy what he was selling. I didn't. And he couldn't stand it. He was working through something for sure, but that's no excuse for what he did to me and the baby. I'll say this for him. He wasn't a coward or a cowboy. Mostly, he wanted to hear tales from the field, swap war stories, talk shop, be respected like an equal. Marvell Fletcher and his book? I've got nothing to do with that. You know, Fletcher and I didn't start off on the best footing. I guess I was Fletcher's best friend growing up. Um, maybe only friend. Let me put it this way. Marvel James Fletcher was one paranoid white man. He could be terrible, frightening, but I've never met another man like that. In that way, he was very, very special. It never actually had a name. Six years of my life, and I never even came up with a title. Untitled MJF Project. That's my movie. Well, mostly we called it That Fucking Film. You know, people call projects like this labors of love. There's also a lot of spite involved. Especially when your subject is a guy like Fletcher. My spiteful motivation? I wanted to show that a fancy college kid could present a fair portrait of a man who turned on anyone who crossed him with lies, hatred, invective. It was hard tracking down facts since he rewrote his life constantly so he could always be the hero. But that makes him sound like every blowhard you've ever heard of. And he wasn't. He was riveting on the radio. Back in my 20s, I fell under the spell of his voice over shortwave. Anyway, the footage I shot 
has been stuck in legal limbo with that horrible fucking production company for years now. By the way, I know you're listening, Rick. Go fuck yourself. But I have all the rights to the audio. And it was just sitting there, taking up hard drive space. And with the way things are going in America, with QAnon and the January 6th riots, I thought helping people understand Marvel James Fletcher, the godfather of modern American conspiracy culture, would be a public service. You will hear excerpts from the interviews I did with his estranged children, his many wives, the friends he turned to enemies, and the very few who stuck by this charismatic, often monstrous man through his tragic final days. Now, let's get back to the man himself, narrating his biography on what proved to be his final broadcast, the last night of his life. On a night like tonight, where it feels like the end is coming, I I hope you'll forgive the indulgence, ladies and gentlemen, but it, it puts me in a reflective mood. My story's ending soon, I want to make sure I tell it, the whole thing, front to back, in my own words. For all those jackals get a chance to turn me into a lone nut, or a patsy, an Oswald, a, a seer hand, not a lone nut. I'm a true blue son of the USA. I wasn't born on the 4th of July, but I was born into the service. My dad was a career officer in the Air Force. Childhood, a series of temporary homes dotted across the many and varied zones of the American Empire, Germany, and Pearl Harbor, and all points in between. And Friends were temporary. I guess... I guess I was Fletcher's best friend growing up. Um, maybe only friend. Our dads uh, were in the same unit, and we ended up moving around at the same time uh, for a lot of our childhoods. Then lost touch for a while. Uh, my dad got assigned to Japan for a couple of uh, my middle school years, and then Fletcher and I were back together in Fort Irwin by high school. He was a weird dude. Even, even then, he read a lot. We liked a lot of the same records. Man, he was obsessed with the movie houses they had on every base. But, on the other hand, who needed friends? I had the movies.
and we're back. WNAV. Uh, well, uh, Corporal, what are your thoughts on that song? Sarge. I, uh, Sarge. I, I, Sarge. I, uh, that was loud. It was a little loud. It was a little gyrating. Uh, I, Sarge. I, uh, I feel like maybe this may be a little disruptive to the rank and file soldiers that we're trying to keep in order here. You know, and I'm and I'm just saying, we've been asked to play this song, and it's wonderful. But but if it was a little little less distortion. Distortion. It would be even better. The melodies could be found. I got to say, you know, I mean, music changes, tastes change, but uh, this is, uh, we, we, we've got to be careful now because this may elicit a biological response. We should go back to what Henry Ford advocated, square dancing. It's, you know. Square dancing is great. It's great. It's a great way to uh, interact with people around you. It's a great way to uh, make make friends with the opposite sex without it getting, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want your ordinance uh, misfiring during a uh, during during a dance. This is, uh, you know, we got to be real careful with this. This is really shortening fuses. Overexcitement. Well, the problem here is, uh, Corporal, is uh, I'm getting feedback that no one thinks you're hip anymore. I'm being ordered to be hip. We both have orders to be hip. So I'm going to be hip. Hip, 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 hip. So we're hip to the new music. So we're supposed to enjoy this. I'm hip right now, and I do enjoy it. I think we're going to need to make a requisition for some uh, some hip music that isn't quite this loud and gyrating. And uh, Maybe the, the next song will be more up your alley. Frankly, I don't want anything up my alley. But I, 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 And uh, up next, we have another song that's been on the command list. I've been commanded to, uh, to indicate that this song is fun, it's hip, it's what the kids like. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and spin this groovy record. Uh, I guess we thought pretty differently about the service. Uh, at 18, he signed up, eager to ship off to Nam. Uh, I had enough of that life. I went to college, uh, I got a deferment, pulled strings and got a stateside job as an NP when my number came up. And I'm happy to say I kept far away from that nightmare. Uh, I saw him once after he came back. He looked, um, he looked haunted. That was a pretty common look for those returning vets in those days. Didn't keep in touch after that. Honestly, I didn't really want to. Yeah, I was a military brat. Guess I never thought much about it. It seemed like going into the service was not even a choice. I had fighting in my blood. Family fought on both sides of the Civil War. Besides, the way my old man and I locked horns, we get out of there as soon as possible. That was a frustrated martinet. Any of you remember Robert Duvall and the great Santini bouncing the ball off his kid's head? Yeah, that's the kind of man my dad was. Anyone else's victory was his loss, especially his oldest son. I wanted to get as far away from him as I could. Dad was a pilot in the Air Force, so I headed straight to the Navy. Fletcher was one crazy motherfucker. Dad was some big shot in the Air Force, but he wasn't having any of that nepotism crap. He volunteered for the Navy, then actually requested to be put in the shit. He showed up just as Tet was winding down, but fuck, we were a bend in the river away from the DMZ, so it never slowed down for us. A week after he got there, man, the VCs hit our ammo depot. Fire, explosions, 
torn bodies, screaming men dying. It was a vision of hell. I couldn't believe that he had signed up for this shit. Only reason I was there was to stay out of jail, man. But he got promoted till he was the skipper of our patrol boat. And I'll say this for him, he wasn't a coward or a cowboy. The whole crew made it out and we saw plenty of action. Put it this way, seeing the assholes they put in charge of other boats, I'm glad Fletcher was my skipper. Good afternoon, Saigon! Well, that was a good one. What do you think, Sarge? This music gets better and better. Even if the uh, reports from the front are less than better, this music just can keep us going. Well, it's a bright and sunny day in Southeast Asia, and boy, do we have some reports for you today. We had a true transport go down in just outside of Saigon, but hey, when the music's got a hold of you, it really doesn't matter, right? You go down with a smile on your face, am I right? You know, they're playing this music over at the uh, the faux restaurant right out of Tansanut, and it is delicious, and the music just keeps going, and you see the body bags rolling by on the wagons. And what a sight to see as you're sucking down noodles at Faux Bistro. Yeah, Tansanut. Well, these are some great songs. Yeah, what are your thoughts on this new musical wave sweeping Southeast Asia? You know, I think psychedelic music probably was born out of us shipping all that good grass back. Whoa, whoa, whoa there, Sergeant. Psychedelic? That would imply that you're imbibing interesting substances. And that's not what we do here in Southeast Asia. We're here to bring freedom and peace. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right? You're right, you're right. Am I right? Yeah. We don't like to talk about that, and we don't like to put that in the statistics that we send back home. Everybody's high on the sound of these new musical creations coming from back home from the States. Is that my strawberry alarm clock going off? Boy, is it. And that tells us that we've got another great song to spin up here as we look over the horizon and watch the explosions light up the night sky. I heard there was another perimeter breach last night. Well, speaking of breaches, Charlie's going to breach his you-know-what when he hears this new song. Let's have a listen. proud of my crew for the nine months we patrolled in those waters. But after that, I was reassigned to Naval Intelligence in Hawaii. It was an office job, but with high-level security clearance. In my case, that was top-secret, Q-sensitive, compartmentalized information. What that meant, I didn't understand at all at the time. I just knew that the job was awfully easy compared to my previous duty. I didn't meet Marv until he got involved with the UFO community. But I know what he said back in the 80s was how he worked in naval intelligence and it shattered his faith in authority, which I think he had just never really questioned before. He was brought up in the military. He said he'd hear Nixon or Kissinger denying that we were doing any bombing at all in Cambodia. And he read the reports coming off the teletype with the results of the bombing raids that didn't happen. It's funny. Came out of Vietnam, still a simple, straightforward patriot. It was in an air-conditioned office that I started to see my blind faith in the goodness of government of the United States was, let's say, misplaced. Oh, sir. It's 
long as you don't look at that fucking teletype machine over there. For what else they're lying about. Let's take a quick smoke break in the file room. Of course, that's just the beginning of what he claims he saw. But that was all in the future. Yeah, man. This is WNAV out of Pearl Harbor, and we are on the Maui Wowie Super Train. Boy, are we. Let me tell you, that some of these songs, some of these smooth 87-minute psychedelic songs really get you going. It makes you wonder, how do they fit that much music on one side of an album? It's all about freedom, man all about freedom. It is. I feel like I've been listening to Inagata De Vida for like an hour and a half. Man. man, I love you. I love you too. And we need to spread the love and freedom. Hey, speaking of love, there's some really harsh stuff being said about our guys overseas. They're kind of harshing my buzz a little bit. All I'm trying to do is surf some waves and kill some Southeast Asians. Why do they keep talking about like cluster bombs and fluster bombs? Fluster bombs, that's what it is. That's not how we fight, man. Are we fighting though? Is this really a fight or is, is this a liberation? Is it a love tap? Love taps. I don't think we can agree to disagree, man. I think we can just agree. You know, when I see those bombers going over the horizon with the beautiful sunset, yeah. they're dropping love. Yeah. They're dropping love. You know, I heard that Dick asked Hank if uh, maybe we could drop a bigger bunch of love, and Hank said it wasn't a good idea, man, but... But if we can make a bigger love bomb, yeah. imagine if we used the largest love bomb we could create and we dropped that love. The amount of freedom that would be flying straight into the sky. Freedom everywhere. Oh, man. It's almost like freedom fallout after a big love bomb. And we're going to have another tune for you coming up, and you're going to feel the love. You want a couple of love bombs right in your ear? Well, we're going to give you one right now. Yeah. I see, friends? Well, I saw the truth behind the plot to kill President Kennedy. I saw the lies that created the Gulf of Tonkin incident that was being endlessly perpetuated, fueled with the blood of my friends. And as to what else I saw? Let's save that for a little later in this late night confession. But I could tell you that it made my hair stand on end, and it made me worry that if anybody knew I had seen this material, I might not be long for this world.
done with the military. Around the same time, the U.S. decided it was done with Vietnam. And in the wake of those scenes of chaos, the U.S. supporting Vietnamese clinging to helicopters, hoping to be saved from the triumphant Viet Cong, who could blame him for wanting to put a lot of distance between himself and the military that betrayed those people? transition to civilian life was hard for all the returning vets. It was doubly so on Fletcher. He's a man who at 32 years of age had never known life outside the regimented spit and polish life. Born a military brat, then as an airman and a sailor. He seems to have set his compass at random and moved to Northern California and tried to understand a rapidly changing America that he had never really encountered beyond the walls of a military base. I couldn't wait to see what life was like outside the military service. I have to admit, it came with a lot of agitation. I didn't know how to be a man outside of that world where your every moment is accounted for. I had a motorcycle, a few hundred bucks in my pocket, and a very welcoming city. Gritty Oakland and the East Bay. figuring out who it wanted to be just like I was. And I remember I felt eager to find the next thing. To do that, I needed to exercise some of the demons that were haunting me. Those secrets I had read in the Naval Intelligence, the public deserved to know them just as much as they deserved to know that Nixon was a crook, but that the CIA had assassinated its way through the third world for decades. What? Was- 
out to a reporter with an underground newspaper, offering to spill what I knew. He was very interested, so I headed his place on my bike, ready to unburden myself of the secrets and lies I had learned about my government. It's Letcher. Now still good? No, I don't have the documents, but I can tell you who does. Yeah, don't, don't go anywhere. I'm headed your way. everything together. It was under my bike, my leg was crushed, but that was the least of my worries at that moment. 
God, it hurts. Cut me off? Asshole. Call an ambulance for fuck's sake. Jeez, you hate to see this kind of thing happen. Especially to a combat veteran like yourself, Mr. Fletcher. Wait, how do you know my name? Oh, we know all about you. And about that reporter you're going to go meet before he had that terrible accident. Of course, you wouldn't have been thinking of sharing any of those top-secret documents you swore an oath to keep secret. Surely there's no way a patriot like yourself would have planned to do something like that, would he? Jesus Christ! Fuck! Fuck! Fine, fine, I'll keep my mouth shut. Just call an ambulance, please. I, I think I might be dying. Well, let's hope a good Samaritan comes along to help. And let's hope you remember this next time you think about chatting with somebody about things you should probably just forget. Yeah, that's how Fletcher told the story of the wreck that cost him a leg. But this story of government intimidation, unnamed agents running off the road, it just doesn't hold up. According to everyone who knew him at the time, he ran himself off the road without any help from a mysterious black sedan. And it's far from clear that he ever contacted any reporters, much less that he was on the way to meet one when he crashed. Most of the people I interviewed, the only question in their mind was whether at the time he was drunk or not. Most assumed he was. What isn't in question, though, is that while in the hospital recuperating, Fletcher fell in love. He was magnetic. I know it sounds strange. He had this, like, this attractive field around him. Even lying there in that hospital bed, having just lost half his leg, he managed to be charming. Imagine that. I was on nights at the time. I had just changed over. And I was always feeling a little loopy in those weeks. But when I walked in his room, it was like the most beautiful kind of dream. He swept me off my feet. That's such a cliche, but it's true. By the time we were married a couple of months later, I realized I hadn't really thought about a single practical thing. I was in love before he even left the hospital. And then it was all a world. Dinners and dancing, sunset rides on his motorcycle, and all the classic moving matinees. We saw so many Bogart pictures, and when we left, he'd curl me into his arms and curl me something dirty in my ear with that terrible bogey impression. It was my American dream. Of course, the dream faded away eventually. I was happy to be a housewife, but he started coming home later and later, when I asked him what happened to the guy who used to rush home with flowers, he'd withdraw. I knew he hated the job he got at the port. It was hard work, especially with him having to stand all day on that prosthetic. He kept coming home drunker and angrier and, of course, one day turned violent. And I had just had the baby. I kept it up for months, but just one day... I dropped him off at work, and little Jimmy and I, we kept on driving. I called him once when we arrived in Boulder, where I stayed with friends until I was back on my feet. 
never saw him again, and he never even reached out to hear about his son and all his milestones, birthdays, graduation, wedding, even the birth of his grandson. It's a long time ago, of course. I'm still happily married to my son's real father, the man who stuck around. But when I heard what happened to James, it hit hard. I sobbed for days. He could be terrible, frightening, but I've never met another man like that. In that way, he was very, very special.
up on it since, and I think what he was going through was classic PTSD. He always liked movies, and he always knew so much about them, but it seems like after a while the only ones he wanted to watch were the ones about Vietnam. Apocalypse Now and The Deer Hunter. Do you know anyone who's seen The Deer Hunter ten times? Well, now you do. He was working through something for sure, but that's no excuse for what he did to me and the baby. You know, he kicked us out of a rolling car with his prosthetic leg. It's like something you'd see in a horror movie. But it happened. He'd been hot and cold for a while, but that was the last straw. I called the cops and they watched him move out. Next I heard from him was when Maggie, our daughter, reached out. And that's when she was already grown. Folks, that time when Carla and I were splitting up was one of the toughest periods of my life. My father had been in World War II served his whole tour with the same group of guys. They formed an unbreakable bond and could turn to each other when they lost someone. They grieved together. My time in Vietnam was defined by one term, DROS, the date eligible to return from overseas. From the moment you landed, you knew your DROS, and it was different from everyone else's. So men were rotating in and out of that nightmare all the time. Somebody was always new, and your best buddy might be leaving suddenly six months before you. It meant that we were all fighting our own war in a sense. And it was isolating and difficult. And I know I'm not the only man who suffered from that fact when I came home and tried to become a civilian.
Hey. Well, that's it. You know, I suppose that was a that was one of those one of those top hits that we listened to. Not sure. I I kind of dig where it's all headed. What about you, Bob? You know, I've heard the Ramones. I've heard all these other bands, and uh, you know, it's all been done. It really has been. It's noisy. It's not getting my groove on. I'm gonna tell you right now, this is not getting me going. But yeah. It's noisy. For where we need to go. Yeah. Later on. Oh, four on the floor, baby. Four on the floor. Four on the floor is right. And they're not playing this music where we're going. But hey, hey, the kids like it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've been told anyway. Chuck Berry did it. I loved it when I was a kid, but you outgrow that stuff. You outgrow the music, and, and you got to start wearing clothing that's more form-fitting, and you got to use some of these new space-age polymers. Yeah. Right? And, and it really helps you gyrate a little bit more, creates a little more friction. Plastic. What are your thoughts on this? I, you know, I feel like we're uh, we're, we're kind of taking a step backwards. I mean, what happened to the disco? What happened to the fun, the, the broads, the sparkling lights? This new revival of this garage rock, that you know, you know, they got a little something there, a little something, but it's just reactionary. So when they say this is the future of music, and it's the future of fun, and it's the future of banging broads, and we're going to go out there, we're going to have some fun, but in the meantime, let's have another listen to uh, one of these, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you people out in Radio Land, I know everybody's playing along. This is fun. It's fun. I agree. We're going to play this music, but hey, while that song's playing, we're going to head out, and uh, I think well, I might go powder my nose. Yeah, I'm going to look good. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to have all the energy in the world tonight. Let's go. I can feel the beats already. I can hear them from here. Yeah. Take a listen to this. down this young Vietnamese peace activist Fletcher met while he was enrolled at community college. I can't find the tape, but she remembered him so clearly. He was interviewing her about what the war was like for civilians and about her activism, and in the middle of it, he broke down, sobbing, crying about how he was sitting here having coffee with this person who, a couple of years earlier, he might have shot without a second thought. sharing her experience and realizing that every dead civilian I'd seen is just as real and just as vibrant. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Couldn't stop thinking about her. And that's how I ended up as a guest to the VA's woefully inadequate psychiatric care program. I'd left their care by the early 80s and with a bit more peace of mind, but with no close connections, ex-wives who have taken my children started seeking a career ended up as a traveling salesman. I guess the housewives liked me because I sold a lot of encyclopedias for a while. But then everything changed. 
The secrets I had seen during my naval intelligence days finally started coming out. I had all of this information for years and had lost my leg trying to reveal it. I had no one to listen. And then all of that changed. <laughs>